Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. I work with leaders in their organizations, identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage these trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member of universities in U.S. and Germany. I am delighted that today with us is Jesse Newton. He's the founder and CEO of Simplify Work, a global consultancy that specializes in unburdening organizations from paralyzing complexity. His clients include Mondelez International, McDonald's Corp., and PepsiCo. Prior to launching Simplify Work, he was a senior manager at Booz & Company in their change leadership consulting practice and also spent a number of years consulting around the world with Ernst & Young's Uh, people and organization change practice. In today's session, we'll be talking about his book, Simplify Work, Crushing Complexity to Liberate Innovation, Productivity, and Engagement. Jesse delivers a newfound clarity on the case for simplifying and the steps organizations and individuals need to take to unleash their potential. He reveals the common drivers of debilitating complexity and provides a recipe for reducing and removing the things that get in the way of peak performance. So this show, the the Innovative Leaders program, I created for leaders who are dealing with crushing complexity and overcommitted because it is hard for us to both work crazy hours and stay current as leaders. So I invite each of you to listen to our conversation and see if there's anything you can take away to apply immediately to your work or to change your thought processes. By making small changes on a weekly basis, we as leaders avoid the risk of being depreciated or outdated and even possibly obsolete as leaders. Uh, During the times where we are facing such massive changes, it is our responsibility to stay on top of our organizations and on top of also our craft of leadership to ensure that our organizations thrive. So welcome, Jesse. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Is there anything you want to tell us about your background before we jump into your book? Well, um, I think you covered most of the key points. Um, As you mentioned, my background is the management consulting. And um, as you can tell from the accent, um, not originally from the U.S., I've had the opportunity to live and work in New Zealand, Australia, um, Europe, um, and now America for the past uh, decade. And um, I've had the, the great opportunity to work with over 100 companies, and um, really that experience, coupled with uh, extensive research, really drove uh, the content for this, this book. And very excited to be able to come on here and discuss it with you. Thank you so much. I'm delighted that you're willing to share your experience and and your book. Okay, so the recipe for simplifying complexity and realigning focus on true priorities, can you give us a little bit of background for that? I'm thinking about the combination of how we get to where we are. Often Mm -hmm. um, things get kludged together as we're responding to one fire after the next, and we don't go back and, and readjust the processes of how we work 
as we're falling across the finish line and going to the next. So can this is your area of research. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got here and and mm-hmm. um, this idea of realigning focus? Absolutely. So it's really an exciting opportunity. Um, you know, as I mentioned, having worked across so many companies across a range of different contexts, um, you know, the work that I do as a consultant um, normally focuses on companies going through transformation, whether it's you know, merger acquisition, system implementation, you know, major, major org restructure, performance improvement. But um, reflecting on these experiences really dawned on me how each of these companies really battles with complexity um, on a different scale. And the opportunity to, to really get clear on what's most important and look to shed those things that are getting in the way of, of true priorities is, is massive, is significant. Um, and so within the book, I talk about in the major sources of that complexity, um, but then also this new approach to, to problem solving that can really drive the process for simplifying work. So I'm um, happy to either talk through some of those typical sources of complexity, um, but also, you know, how do you actually get there? What are the, the specific steps and, and methods to go about simplifying organizations? So point me in the, do- the right direction. I'd like to do both. How do we get here? And definitely, how do we get out of it? I'm mm. um, sitting in an office with a client right now who is facing this exact problem. Um, so let's talk first about sources and then solutions. Yeah. So essentially, you know, organizations have become these complicated messes. You know, traditionally, as organizations have grown, they add more structures and processes, rules, metrics, committees, and so on. Um, this inevitably results in people becoming reactive firefighters, you know, to the point that you alluded to earlier. You know, people don't have enough time in the day to get through their work, and um, they often feel overwhelmed with the breadth of, you know, their responsibility. Um, and it's a shame because people essentially are wasting their time and their energy trying to navigate, you know, this the labyrinth that is their organization. You know, they're trying to complete the latest report or template. They're sitting in meetings that should be emails. They're re- reporting to multiple bosses. They get lost in the web of predefined processes. Um, and really importantly, they lose sight of what's most important. Um, and they lose the excitement and energy to, to really innovate uh, well and fast. Um, and so when we looked at organizations and in the research, there are these typical drivers. Um, and they range from broad strategy, you know, where is an organization um, operating? Um, how many product services? You know, how is their, um, their organization structured, which is the second piece, the operating model, uh, to deliver on those different um, objectives and strategic uh, goals. Um, the third is process. You know, how does how does process drive the way work gets done with an organization? And, you know, are they strictly defined? And so there are all of these requirements to follow these you know, specific steps. Then there's system. You know, what is the system architecture within a company? And do people need to navigate through, you know, various systems to get their, their work done? And then finally and importantly, there's culture. Um, and companies breed certain ways of working which really um, 
reinforces uh, complexity within organization. It's, you know, the, the desire to inhale everyone on everything, you know, to, to make sure that you're, mm. you're covering your butt or um, needing to, you know, socialize all work that you're doing with various groups in the company to make sure that everyone has exposure. And inevitably what happens with those situations is, um, you know, you'll get a piece of work to a really good place and then someone will have another new piece of feedback and uh, you'll need to then, you know, turn your wheels again on a piece of work and um, it really sort of slows, um, slows work. So, you know, productivity decreases um, and engagement goes down. And then, you know, the way that people communicate. So typically within, you know, the traditional organisations, you know, they would go through, they'd need to go through their bosses to, to communicate with another function or leaders couldn't simply, you know, connect with the front line. They'd have to go through the multiple layers of, of bosses to connect with that lower level, which serves the slow work um, and really um, reduces the, the richness of, of um, the, the connections and the content that's shared between those two groups. And so there's all kinds of... Um, key sources of complexity within a company that I'm sure most people that have worked in the company have experienced to some degree. Okay, so let me repeat back because I missed the first one. I have structure, um, aligning the organization with the goals, having processes that focus on that, having a culture that allows appropriate level of input at a, a proper speed and communication where I can go directly to the right person. Which one did I miss? I think it was the first one you said. So it's five things. First is strategy, then structure, strategy. system, process, and, and culture. Um, and so, you know, happy to talk to each. Um, but really, I think, uh, you know, it has to start at that highest level. You have to get really clear on what's most important because if out of the gate, if you're not clear on what's most important for your organization, you can't prioritize. Um, and so that's why strategy has to be the first piece. And, and it, it can also, you know, you can target this, a simplification effort for various levels within an organization. So it can be the macro um, for the whole organization or it could be a function, it could be a specific team. Um, but the first step is always getting clear on purpose. You know, what are we seeking to achieve in, in whatever context? Nail that. And then you can set about understanding how work gets done um, where are people spending their time? Um, and then thirdly, remove the stuff that gets in the way of the, of the highest priorities. Redesign work. And so to do that, you know, you're often looking at structures, um, process, systems, and then behaviors, so which is the cultural piece. Um, and so there are some really interesting emerging perspectives on on how do you actually simplify an organization um, from you know from a structured pers- uh, perspective and which is really serving to help to move organizations out of the 20th century into the 21st to liberate the intelligence and capabilities of their people and and move away from some of these sort of stodgy and outdated um, approaches to getting work done so would you share some of those structures? I heard clearly we need to be clear on our purpose, clear on our key strategic initiatives so everything doesn't get the same priority and um, right. where we're either constantly switching priorities or where we think we can get everything done and consequently don't 
um, don't do the key things with the level of focus required. So, so now structure. Hmm. Well, it's, it's re- we're in a very interesting time um, where companies are begin- beginning to take a big step back and look at their organization through a new lens. Um, you know, the traditional org structure was very vertical um, and it was very power-based. You know, the, the assumption of the typical org structure was we as leaders are going to define strategy and set direction and then we want to control the output of the machine. And, and so people, human beings, were considered as you know, cogs in the machine. And so to manage the output of the cogs, you know, you need very clear roles and responsibilities and expectations and, you know, your output needs to be very clearly articulated. And then you have the bosses that manage that output. Um, And we're moving away from that now. We're realizing 2019 now, which is exciting. And we now, where we are now is we we realize and we have the knowledge of how people get their do their best work. People do their best work in small teams. They do their best work when they have some degree of autonomy um, and they have access to the right information. And so given that we now know how to get the best of the human capital factor, of human beings, coupled with where we are from a technology perspective, we can begin to free people, to liberate people to work um, in their best way to produce that breakthrough innovation. And so how does that come to life? It means that we're not defined, we're not building these vertical hierarchies. We're now um, designing these autonomous small teams to go after key strategic priorities. We're looking at back office functions and, and discovering new ways of automating repeatable process. Um, and so... It's a very exciting time because large organizations, the Amazon, the INGs, um, are showing us that you know large organizations can actually break the bureaucracy, free small teams of you know highly capable people to that deliver the breakthrough innovations that are that are disrupting industries and um, producing breakthrough technologies. Um, Feel free to uh, ask any follow-up questions because happy to go into that in more detail. Yeah, I do have a question, and it is specifically, um, you mentioned roles and responsibilities. So yeah. it, it seems like I, if I'm going to have teams that are more autonomous, I have to be incredibly clear on what, what outcome that team is going to produce so that each of my teams are aligned to deliver those strategic goals. Is that correct or... Am I missing something? Yeah, the way that, that this is otherwise called an, an agile organization, or mm-hmm. you know, there's a, the idea of a holacracy, um, and so the, the way that they're they're designed is that you know you've got these carefully selected individuals working on a team, and to your point, the outcome or the objective is crystal clear, and this the strategy or the organization is crystal clear, and so. You know, there are these broad parameters set for the small team. Okay, you know, there could be a budget parameter, there could be um, some broad uh, time frame parameter. Um, but the the vision of of their objective should be crystal clear. But then, how they go about working together 
and um, testing and iterating is fully up to them. And there are some organizations that have these sort of floating PMOs that sort of informally connect uh, to gauge status of, of where they are. It's less formal and focus on, and with the focus on um, you know, getting out of the way of the team. So you want that team of, of high performers to, to have that, that rich sense of autonomy, that ability to, to really innovate and focus their, their time and energy on that, that top priority and bring it to life. Um, there's a uh, there's a company out of Finland that um, is a video game production company, and they you know, famously leveraged this um, same model. And there's uh, there's a game that, that basically um, has essentially created you know 85 percent of their um, success. And so, uh, I think it's World of Worlds, um, but they they basically um, have given their teams free reign to be able to focus in on um, and produce you know games that they see will be successful within the remit of the, the company's broader sort of purpose. Um, and so, you know, this sort of design is really essential um, to drive that breakthrough innovation. Um, you know, if you have people that are coming into work and essentially, you know, following predefined processes, simply adhering to their, their four managers' um, instructions, expectations, inevitably, you know, thinking and innovation is going to suffer. Um, Perfect. You know, op- so, so uh, let's take so a it's, break it's a here. I, sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. Um, let's take a break here. And I would love to come back and hear a little bit more about this company and the idea of um, the, the amount of autonomy versus predefined processes. So you are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We are with Jesse Newton talking about simplifying work. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You are joining Maureen Metcalf and Jesse Newton. And we're talking about Jesse's book, Simplify Work. Crushing Complexity to Liberate Innovation, Productivity, and Engagement. So before the break, Jesse talked about the key components of simplifying work, and we were talking specifically about the balance between rigid processes and giving teams the authority to go off and and complete their work in a way that uh, is much more autonomous. And Jesse, you were giving the example of a game manufacturer and how they've done this incredibly successfully. Do you want to elaborate more on that before we go to the next question? Sure, sure. Um, well, just the context of this particular organization, you know, European-based, and, you know, they, they make games, essentially, you know, for smartphones and for, um, you know, other, you know, larger you know, game organizations. And, and essentially, the, the source of their success is this agile structure. You know, they really are very careful with, with who they select, you know, from a recruitment perspective and then who should attend, uh, who should be within each of these innovative teams. And so, you know, the selection of each individual is an important component of the agile organization. And, and because you're dependent on the output of these autonomous teams, you know, when you're looking at 
key capabilities within your human capital. You need people that work well in teams, obviously. You need them to be able to collaborate effectively, problem solve, um, build from other people's ideas, um, are able to you know, rapidly sort of synthesize new information and uh, extrapolate insight. And so it's interesting how you know, the, this emerging agile organization has pretty important considerations, implications for the recruitment of people and the capabilities that an organization should nurture in their population. So I don't know that all of our listeners know exactly what an agile team is, especially outside of the context of agile software development. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you define being an agile team? Sure. It's the um, so I think of it as an agile team is, is the is the crux of an agile organization, and so an agile team essentially is guided by a strong vision purpose strategy at the top. So the leadership leader's role in an agile organization is hugely important, but there's less of a focus on power and and more on enabling. And so um, agile teams work when when they've got the right individuals, uh, when they've got that true sense of autonomy so that there isn't this um, you know, traditional vertical hierarchy where they're, they're reporting into managers and there are, there's reports and templates they need to produce. It's, they're free to work in a way that suits them. And they've got access to the right information. And so leaders, a key part of their responsibility is feeding, you know, the right information to the teams to, to facilitate and enable innovation and collaboration. Um, which is you know, very much a part of that enabling focus. And then you know, the managers shift, to, shift from what have you done for me lately to how can I help and coach you? What do you need from a development standpoint? You know, is there a, potentially a conflict that needs to be facilitated? And so they're very much more of a developer and um, someone that can enable... really effective teaming um, versus the, you know, let me control everything that you do um, and go off and do what I say. So really important shifts in perspective and paradigm um, from the the traditional vertical hierarchy to the agile organization um, and, you know, a few key things that need to be in place for an agile team to really be able to, to work quickly and well and, and produce those sort of breakthrough innovations. Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. I'm actually thinking of a specific client situation where, um, and, and this is a small example, but sometimes these structural pieces really help, um, where they're shifting the, the role of the leadership team Instead of driving the tactics that what they do in their meetings is talk about how they're working cross organization to enable results. So, so their communication content has changed, frequency has changed. And by doing that, then they're, I think, doing what you're talking about, getting out of the way of this is how you get it done and more focusing on um, key decisions and removing barriers mm-hmm. and making sure team members have what they need. Is that the kind of example you're talking about? 
Absolutely spot on. I mean, when you take a big step back and you think about you know broader market industries right now, you know consumer preferences are shifting so quickly, and you know technology is really driving disruption across every industry, and so companies have to be able to innovate well and fast. And if you're bogged down in in slow decision making or siloed protectionism, the the company is destined to fail. And also, it drives low engagement. You know. I, I recently worked with a, a, a large consumer packaged goods organization, um, specifically within their commercial um, functions, so sales and marketing. And they were really suffering from engagement. And then when we really leaned into the space, we quickly realized that really high-paid global experts across sales and marketing were spending a huge chunk of their week doing low-value administrative tasks. They weren't doing and spending their time and their energy on the highest priority activities, on, on the things they were hired for. And so by targeting in, by getting very clear on, on what those low-value activities were, we could then proactively remove them uh, and redesign um, how they get their work done so that they could spend the, the you know, the, the most quality time on the on the pieces of work that's driving the greatest impact on organizations. Um, and, and so the opportunity across companies to simplify work is just massive. You know, I really appreciate the, the thoroughness of your framework um, that, that you are, in fact, saying um, – we need to chain. We need to ensure our strategy is solid. We need to align structures with goals, attend to process, communication, and culture, uh, because I think it is the the combination of all of those facets th- that really drive our ability to focus on what is most strategically important and not get bogged down. And, and again, I'm thinking of different clients and how they they have the ex- expectation of themselves as a leadership team that people are, that senior execs are uh, are aware of minute details, which then drives behaviors for the senior executives mm-hmm. to focus on things that aren't strategic. Exactly. You know, how many, how many organizations have 25 different strategic initiatives, you know, and inevitably mm-hmm. people are going to get pulled in too many directions, you know, I think there's just a general, and it's inevitable and natural, but there's a general lack of understanding and alignment on the true strategic priorities. So I think leadership can do better, a better job and um, of actually distilling down what is the, where is the company going to be successful? Where is it going to win, you know, in the next five years? Mm-hmm. And be very specific about it and then let that, be the lens that you drive those initiatives, those key organizational initiatives. Um, you know, there are lots of great ideas that bubble up to an organization, but should that should all of them, you know, take up people's time and energy? I think there needs to be a, you know, more work done on prioritizing focus so that people are, you know, really working on the highest priority strategic initiatives. You know, as you say that again, I'm thinking of the discipline required for senior leaders. So, um, again, thinking of a client who's saying we need to, we've just acquired uh, another company and we're trying to um, do the integration process. As soon Mm -hmm. as that senior executive team starts reaching into the organization and asking for minute details, 
um, they are driving inappropriate behavior from everyone mm-hmm. from the senior team all the way down. And so, so the idea that we, we as leaders have to think very clearly about even small requests and what behaviors are rippling through the organization because of that. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's one organization I worked with where, you know, the leaders talked specifically about crushing complexity, and, and it was something they were very aware of, um, you know, was, was slowing productivity, disengaging the workforce, etc. But then the leaders would then quickly ask for performance reports across the organization. And, and as soon as they asked the question, then you've got teams pulled from, you know, their, their core work um, and to produce those performance reports. And so, you know, to your point, that um, there really is, has to be a concerted, disciplined focus on simplifying work and, and clarity on, on what it means and on what those key behaviors are that, that really drive complexity and then those that serve to simplify and focus. So how, when you work with clients, how do you help them keep this front of mind? Mm-hmm. Because it's inadvertent, I think, in many cases. Yeah, I think I need something, so I reach out and ask somebody for it. And I, I don't always consider that this little request is going to drive bad behavior. Yeah, well, there's a couple of, couple of approaches um, or <clears throat> ways to think about keeping it front of mind. Um, you know, the first harks back to this agile organization. You know, if, if that's really properly rolled out, then it somewhat takes care of itself because, you know, you're, you're essentially leveraging the best capabilities with, the, with, you know, with the latest technology to get the, you know, all the reporting, all the performance information should be automated so that leaders can act, get access, real-time access to how a company is performing, which means they don't need to ask, you know, people to provide that information. You know, so that's very quickly becoming available organizations but it requires investment um, you know and, and there's a bit of a you know time required to actually build that capability but once that's there then you know you, you have these people these teams of, of people that, that have the autonomy to produce their best work so that, that I'm not going to go back to the agile organization but that's the first piece the second one would be um, you know it has to be a true strategic focus and leaders need to keep it front of mind. And, you know, when I think about change management programs we've led in the past, you know, there are various ways of, of, of just continuing to reinforce, you know, that focus and the critical behaviours um, that drive, you know, a simplified focus workforce. And the third would be, you know, what I talk about in the book is the use of design thinking or having a design thinking um, perspective on on how work gets done, and so design thinking is essentially, you know, taking a leaf out of the the school of design. You know, it's what the guys at IDEO, it's their methodology for solving problems and innovating. And essentially, it's all about um, just putting yourself in the user's shoes. And so, from an organisation perspective, it's leaning in and listening and observing how work actually gets done. And so, the intent being building a rich real perspective of how work gets done. And with that perspective, you can then be very deliberate and focused on on pulling out and removing all of the, the stuff that's getting in the way of teams performing at their best. Um, 
you know, and you can take a very uh, expansive approach, you know, to, to actually figuring out what are the root causes of, of people, you know, getting um, stuck in organizational complexity. And, and then, you know, once you've identified those, you can serve to solve those in, in various ways. But the point being is, um, you know, there are, there are other ways you know, other than the typical consulting or the typical organization approach to problem solving, they can also reveal really interesting, helpful, um, innovative ways of crushing complexity. So, so those, those sort of three things, you know, exploring the agile organization operating model. You know, the second one being, you know, look at ways from a sort of a change management um, communications perspective of keeping simplifying work um, a true priority and and reinforcing it, you know, in various mechanisms. And then the third is, you know, attempting to to look at organizational complexity through the lens of a of a different school of thought, that being design thinking. So, um, hopefully, that sort of answers your question. Yeah, that's really helpful. And we're going to go on break here. Uh, this is uh, Maureen Metcalf and Jesse Newton, and we are talking about simplifying work, crushing complexity to liberate innovation, productivity, and engagement. And Jesse is walking us through uh, ways we can put his his approach into practice. We will be right back with our final segment. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You are joining Maureen Metcalf and Jesse Newton, and we are talking about simplifying work. So, Jesse, um, one of the things you talk about in the book is how do we take advantage of the fourth industrial revolution and unleashing the performance gains we've seen in prior terms? Can you talk a little bit about this? Yes, absolutely. Um, so we're in this very interesting space right now. You know, we're on this front step of the what they're calling the fourth industrial revolution. Um, but interestingly, we haven't achieved the, the massive productivity gains that the prior three industrial revolutions delivered. Um, and I, I believe that a, a big uh, reason for that is because of the, the complex nature of organizations today. Um, you know, this fourth industrial revolution is really... Um, it's described as, as the emergence of artificial intelligence and big data, the Internet of Things. And so we have this emerging technology which is creating opportunities to, uh, to really drive a step change in productivity you know, across society. Um, but we're not really le- leveraging those opportunities. And I think from a you know, simplified work perspective, um, you know, in my mind, the opportunities really are, are around elevating people out of the repeatable, um, standardized processes and work, um, and you know, really liberating the the thinking and the innovation and the energy and passions of people, um, which is very much enabled by this emerging technology. So, you know, let's take a typical organization. You've got n- numerous people. Um, that would traditionally come into work and produce the reports or, or capture the data or input the data or, you know, do various things that soak up their time and energy that currently could be automated. And so the, the premise is how do we, um, you know, across organizations around the world identify 
huge tracks of work across an organization that can be automated, that is low value, um, that does produce uh, real-time insights into the business that then people can then focus their time on leveraging to innovate and solve problems and collaborate. And so I think if you know, this whole idea of simplifying work presents an opportunity for organizations to really elevate their productivity and elevate the, the output um, engagement um, of their people by leveraging partly, you know, this this emerging technology, which is part of this broader fourth industrial revolution. And so that um, seems like it is driving the the complete vision of what work looks like in the future. That probably in mm-hmm. the next five years, we're seeing it already, but we will see more. And if I think of my Google Assistant and all the stuff I get just on my phone. Um, it tells me where I'm supposed to go, how long it's going to take to get there when I'm late. I and mean, I am kind of managed by my mobile device right now. And, and mm-hmm. that's just the tip of the iceberg of the information available to any of us at our fingertips that used to be done by a person, either me or someone who worked for me. How, how and, and again, that's a small example. What is your vision for the future of work that leverages this range of tools from machine learning, artificial intelligence, data, um, data and analytics. Well, those are those are great points. You know, those are perfect examples of you know where we're headed and how technology will work with us side by side. Essentially, my vision for the future of work is you know, human beings shouldn't be doing shouldn't be stuck. And doing work that's repeatable, that could be that, that is standardised. Um, it's a, it's very exciting when you think about the prospect of you know organisations uh, full of people that you know really believe in the purpose of the company, that have the all the tools and the information, the insights um, to be able to you know actively collaborate with with their colleagues and and really do you know amazing work. You know, so the, the essential simple vision is around um, organizations that heavily leverage technology to be able to, you know, automatically pull um, data from across the business, you know, crunch it, store it, analyze it, and then provide those real-time insights that that drive the decision-making and the collaboration, which then produces the breakthrough innovation. And so we're pulling people out of these traditionally mundane tasks um, within organizations and, and pushing them into roles uh, where they're producing, you know, high-quality output, which inevitably is going to inspire and engage and, and get people really enthused about about working. Obviously, it has a number of impl- implications, um, you know, an important one being around, you know, what capabilities do we need people to be nurturing and how do organisations really, you know, build those capabilities in their people. Um, and there are other implications as well, but... I personally am, am very energized by that vision of, of where we're headed. So I'm glad you hit on the the point of it, it really does have implications across our entire workforce. Uh, for someone like me, I'm delighted to let go of, of some of the more administrative tasks. For someone, though, whose primary value in the world in the work world is 
performing those tasks, that this would be fairly frightening. Well, I would agree. I mean, and then, you, you know, you look back at the other industrial revolutions and there are tranches of the population that, that become, you know, their, their skill that they've built, you know, becomes obsolete. And so the, the, the key is how do organizations, you know, nurture the right capabilities and foster um, the right capabilities in their people so people can transition and, um, you know, there will be, it won't be easy for all uh, populations you now if they've traditionally been focused on the repeatable work. But I also, you know, I'm obviously a bit of an optimist, but I like to think that people, you know, would be more interested in, in doing work that requires innovation and thinking and problem solving and not just following, you know, a mechanical process. Um, and so, you know, I like to think that if those opportunities were presented and the right support provided, that people would actively, you know, step in and, and pursue those. I am I am hopefully as optimistic as you are, and I recognize that for some segments of the population, this adjustment is going to be terrifying um, because it will mean retraining later in, in a career. It means a level of uncertainty about income and retirement and family stability. And, and, and for each of us, it is incumbent upon us to manage our careers, and yet that's easy to say because I don't think mine's going away. It, w- it would be terrifying short-term to not know if you would make it to retirement without your role going away. Well, I would say so for those uh, individuals. And so I think that the, the more... Um, support that organizations can provide the better um, and ideally you know there, there's enough sort of rhetoric or there's enough information that's emerging through popular press and and other channels that illuminate this the way that we're headed and so mm-hmm. you know you'd like to think that people sort of have a sense for what's coming down the, the track and can begin to prepare but um I think it's an essential step that we have to take uh, from a you know, macro mm-hmm. perspective. And I think once that step is taken, it will really enable that step change in productivity. And, you know, all of a sudden organizations will be, you know, the rate of innovation, breakthrough innovation will skyrocket. Um, and I think we'll find that, you know, organizational workforces will become much more engaged because, you know, they, the time won't be soaked up by these you know, low-value administrative tasks. I, I absolutely agree, and I, I look forward to the time where I have to do fewer of them. Um, so, so for me, this is a bright future. And, and again, I go to the, the place of both uh, there, there are winners and losers in any kind of big change, and how do we as organizations act what I'll call ethically, and I realize we have um, different people will see different things as ethical. I have seen some organizations make a commitment that they're over a certain period of time, they will retrain and not exit people unless they aren't actively engaged in their own retraining. And I like that idea of moving to the future in a way that we're not creating um, a class of people who are are considered disposable and yet we each kind of own responsibility for our for our own ultimate outcome that's very well put you know and i think the way that you distill that you know 
people that, that don't have these sort of transactional skills um, and therefore in more control of their world is a hugely energizing one. You know, it, it strips out the, uh, you know, a lot of the anxiety and stress within organizations, you know, around, you know, am I replaceable or, you know, will, will my job immediately go away? When you're fostering the, the types of capabilities in people like the problem solving, collaborating, innovating, um, executing, those types of skills, to your point, are hard to, to replicate, um, you know, and so that you're giving control back to, to people, which is what they really crave and, and is a big driver of um, the happiness and contentment and, and engagement. Thank you for summarizing that. And, and so I don't want to lose track of the main theme, which is um, simplifying. And I would say what I hear really is also realigning so that we are focusing on doing the high-value tasks aligned with our strategy and lining up structure, process, culture, and communications to ensure that all of those are driving everyone in the organization toward doing the work that is most high-value for that person at that level and that role. Is that an accurate summation? Absolutely. I I think... Essentially, you know, this huge opportunity to simplify work, you know, if done, if pursued, is going to liberate a ton of costs and overhead. It's, it's going to focus the workforce on the things that truly matter. Um, that in itself will drive, a, you know, a productivity step change, will, you know, help people to spend, you know, their, their most productive time on the highest, you know, value mm-hmm. pieces of work, which will drive innovation. Um, and will inevitably engage the workforce. So the business case for simplifying work is a strong one, um, and I think we're at, a, we're at a time where it's really possible to, to take that, that blank piece of paper and, and look at your organisation and you know, the purpose of your organisation and, and think, think anew around how work gets done. And, and don't, get, don't get stuck in these, these traditional ways of... of structuring and managing work you know we have Just we are in this time where we have a great opportunity to um to rethink how work is done and get people focused on the things that are most important which is very exciting thank you i think that's a beautiful wrap-up let's now move to restate the name of your book where people would get it i'm assuming amazon and how they would reach you to learn more about engaging either you or the work or asking questions Sure. So the, the title of the book is Simplify Work, uh, Crushing Complexity to Liberate Innovation, Productivity and Engagement. Um, it hit, hits bookstores, bookshelves on February the 5th. Uh, it's already available on Kindle version on Amazon. Um, and you know, I'm a, if you're more interested in the topic and, and about, you know, more about me and, and my consulting firm, you can go to simplifywork.com. Um, and I'm, uh, I can get contacted at jnewton at simplifywork.com. Great. Beautiful. Thank you. So this is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, and I want to reiterate the call to action for all of our listeners. We are in a time of massive complexity, 
And for each of, for most of us, at least for me, I struggle many days to get through the day, get everything done I need to. And how do we as leaders and employees take stock of the work we're trying to get done, focus on the critical things and identify ways to offload that uh, content that isn't most critical. So I invite you to evaluate what you're doing, as I will, and please listen in for additional ways for you to innovate how you're leading. Uh, Contact me at info at innovateleader.com if I would love to hear your feedback or on Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Thank you for listening and we hope you tune in again next week.